Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The Bigger Picture with Ryan Huang. Money FM 89.3, good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker, Marity Jagdish and Ryan Huang. It's time now for The Bigger Picture. And certainly still, the Russia-Ukraine situation is hogging the headlines with so many far-reaching effects across the globe. Ryan, what precisely ought to be looking at more closely today? Right, market watchers will be focused on what the Kremlin will be doing in terms of its response to all the sanctions that have come out. So far, we have seen some responses in the form of how Russia is barring airlines from 36 countries from its airspace. It's also banning its residents from transferring hard currency abroad. And on the other end of the spectrum, we've got the EU approving sanctions on some of Russia's roughest tycoons. The UK telling its ports not to service Russian flag vessels. Even back home in Singapore, Singapore is imposing appropriate sanctions and restrictions on Russia. So all that taking place. And in the backdrop, we've got delegations from Russia and Ukraine both agreeing to continue negotiations. So this is going to play out in the coming days and maybe even longer. And on top of things, we've got Jeff Holly. He is the Senior Market Analyst for Owenda. Morning, Jeff. How are you doing today? Hey, good morning. Wonderful to be here. Hey, glad to have you back on, Jeff. Now, let's start with how markets have been digesting all the news. Overnight, we did see a bit of a choppy session and markets mostly down. But across Asia right now, it looks like Asian investors are shaking things off. You've got Japan up by more than 1% and same for Australia. What's going on here? Well, you can't deny the power of the buy the dip. And I think uh, we've seen uh, indications of that over the last few sessions anyway. Uh, I think the main driver of this has been that the Russian and Ukrainian uh, sides have actually met to talk uh, on the border of Belarus yesterday, even though nothing came out of those talks. The fact that those talks um, have even occurred and that more are now scheduled gives some hope that uh, this war may may finish through negotiation rather than the barrel of a gun. And that's been enough to... Um, been enough to flush out bargain hunters into equity markets. We saw a, a similar thing in the US overnight where stock markets, even though they had a mixed finish, made back or even completely reversed all of their earlier intraday losses. Uh, and we've seen this pattern occur uh, a few times now over the last week since that invasion began. Yeah, talking about patterns, one thing that seems to be always happening when jitters are abound is the flock to safe haven assets. And we saw that happening with the US dollar. So there has been a rise on the greenback. And I think in the past week, it's up 0.8%, at least on the dollar index. Is this something that's continue, continue to be sustained in the coming days, you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, one of the first lessons I learned decades ago from my chief dealer was uh, always buy dollars in a war. And, uh, and and, and that, that hasn't really changed. So it has become more, it remains the the uh, default safe haven asset, the US dollar. And we've also seen US yields moving down as well, US government bond yields. So yields move inversely to price. So when investors are buying lots of US bonds, the yields fall. And that's certainly what we've seen, particularly in the 10-year part of the, of the yield curve. So we're definitely seeing evidence of safe haven flows into the US dollar, and I expect it to remain quite well supported over the next uh, couple of weeks as this uh, conflict plays out. But I think after that, looking at some of the technical moves that we've seen over the last few days, particularly in risk sentiment currencies such as the Aussie and the Kiwi, and to a lesser extent the euro, I think after that we could see quite a significant uh, turn in the dollar to the downside.
Yeah, there's that rush for liquidity as well as we see a clampdown on the Russian central bank. So you've got that panning out and they have to to a certain extent been excluded from the SWIFT messaging system. And that has seen some implications for the Russian ruble. It plunged um, by 30% yesterday to its lowest levels ever. Uh, what do you make of the potential contingent effect on other currencies? We've seen a bit of a slump going through for the South African rand and also the Turkish lira. Yeah, definitely some of those other bricks had suffered as well. And I was going to mention the Turkish lira notably. It's also by geographic association. It's also a big customer of Russian weaponry, et cetera, et cetera. So it it was, and and it's fragile anyway. So I think it still remains highly, highly vulnerable. Uh, We're not seeing a massive fallout in the other emerging markets. I mean, yes, South Africa, but if you look at Asian currencies, for example, they have weakened, but only slightly. We're not talking a complete meltdown or a a taper tantrum style event where where investors are rushing en masse out of uh, Asian emerging markets. So it is still nervous but relatively calm in other parts of the world. And I'm not expecting that panic to spread. All right, talking about what might spread, um, we are expecting prices to go up in in the view of all those sanctions playing out. And that could see prices of commodities, oil, gas, food just rising. How much does that derail the pace of tightening from the Fed when you look at what might play out in the economic outlook? It leaves a lot of central banks in a very uncomfortable spot because it's actually potentially stagflationary. That's where prices keep rising, but growth falls. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a, one of these places that central banks never want to find themselves. Yes, this is going to cause an inflationary shock or an inflationary wave around the world. This, this conflict, inflation will move higher. Technically, central banks, therefore, should be tightening monetary policy faster, raising interest rates, for example. But because the world's growth now is looking increasingly fragile because of that, if they raise rates, that may actually cause a bit of a hard landing in the in the economy growth-wise. So it's an uncomfortable spot for these central banks. If they follow their if they follow their pattern for the last few years, though, I expect what it may do is it may give them pause. They may pause their hiking cycles. But I think we'll get a big indication of this from the Federal Reserve when the FOMC meets mid-month. Yeah, Jeff, talking about central banks, we will see in action today the Reserve Bank of Australia. So why expectations here? Is there more urgency or pressure for them to do something today? In the market, certainly they feel it is. But the Australian Central Bank has been, the RBA has been pushing back against that. Wage growth hasn't met their 3% target. And I think they'll use that as an excuse to not move today. So um, they've been extremely dovish and said they probably weren't going to raise rates until 2024. That's clearly not going to happen now, but they haven't backtracked on that. So I think there'll be no change there today. Additionally, we have China PMIs today too. And I think if those come in on the weak side, then uh, that Asia equity rally could run out of steam. All right, a couple of things to look out for today. Besides Ukraine, you've got the PMI numbers from China as well as the rate decision from the RBA. We've been chatting with Jeff Hawley. He is the Senior Market Analyst for Oanda. Jeff, thank you as always and we'll catch up with you again soon. An absolute pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.